Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. And we're good. So welcome in, everybody. It is the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Blue Wire Pods. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, with me, my fellow football priest. You know him. You love him. He's the deputy editor of MileHighHuddle.com, Zach Kelberman. Zach, first things first. I know people are going to ask us about this, and then we'll get to the topic of tonight's stream, the the headline. But um, people have been reaching out to me. I don't know how many people have been reaching out to you about the Broncos being uh, connected to the possibility of acquiring Gardner Minshew. Now, you had an article that has gone viral for us at milehighhuddle.com. Explain to people what that really is about in case they missed the piece. Well, I think Bleacher Report, as they do around this time every year, they put in an ideal trade target for each team. And for the Broncos, it was Gardner Minshew. It seemed like, this is me speculating, that Bleacher kind of just copy and pasted something they previously wrote about Minshew because it doesn't seem like it reflects his trade when he went from Jacksonville to Philadelphia. Not only is he not the number two in Philadelphia, Joe Flacco is behind Jalen Hurts. He's the number three right now. But uh, Bleacher Report believes he's the ideal trade target because as they postured it, he's a lot like uh, Teddy Bridgewater in that he's an accurate passer, but he offers more upside at the position. I don't know that I agree with that personally. I'm not a big fan of Gardner Minshew. I think he has way more hype than he deserves, but he is really, really cheap. I mean, less than a million dollar salary cap hit he signed through, I think it's 2023. Yeah, 2023. I mean, 850965 that's peanuts for a starting quarterback, especially one with his experience. 25 years old, so maybe there's theoretical upside, but I am so done, Chad, with the holdovers, the band-aids, acquiring every other team's garbage. I want the Broncos to build their quarterback the right way, draft the guy, coach him up, and have a long-term franchise quarterback. I don't think Gardner Minshew is that guy. Okay, so on that subject, let me ask you then, does Deshaun Watson fit that requirement? Because Ian Rappaport, now, he didn't go into huge specifics today, but in a quick kind of around the horn on NFL Network, they went to Ian Rappaport. Hey, Ian, what's the latest on the Deshaun Watson front? And he once again implicated the Broncos amongst, I don't know, half a dozen other clubs with the Dolphins kind of being the front runners who have continued to show an interest in trading with Houston for his services. Now, the deadline, I believe it is November 2nd, if I'm not mistaken, right? Listen up, Broncos country. Tick Pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. Tick Pick is the exclusive ticketing partner 
for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. So that gives the Broncos a little more than about a week, let's just say, about a week to really try and either jostle to the front of the line or, you know, decide, hey, what what's the bridge too far? But talking about other teams' trash and the cast-offs from other clubs, would you consider Watson that? Because to me, he is, because he's so toxic in terms of you don't know what the future holds for him relative to wow. Michaela the Duchess just wow. thundering in from on high uh, and dropping a slobber knocker in the middle of my, my little uh, – monologue here wow thank you Michaela love you good to see you you just blew our socks off here early and often right we hear about that Broncos need to get after them early and often Michaela's getting after it early and often here tonight with an extremely extremely generous super chat she says hey Chad Zach how are you feeling Chad I'm uh I I think I told my wife this morning when I woke up 95 percent today for the first time in the last week I woke up and I didn't feel that pressure in my ears and this and that when you're dealing with the cold. So I'm at like 95%. I don't have that feeling, Zach, of like, you know, brain fog when you have a cold and all that. So I'm feeling better. Thank you, Michaela. And she says, um, I watched the red zone. Looks like most teams are way ahead of our Broncos. Such a shame. Uh, indeed. Zach, your thoughts. Well, first of all, if the Broncos were to show up every day like Michaela does, they'd be undefeated. I mean, with her support and her constant devotion and and, how how wonderfully generous she is. Thank you so much, Michaela. But it's funny. I don't know if you saw my tweet, but I had that out there. It's not having a game today, Chad. I got to watch the other teams around the NFL. I watched Red Zone like you did, Michaela. And the one thing that jumped out to me, and a lot of people agree with me, every other team, maybe with the exception of Carolina, the Jets, and the Texans, have a more creative offense that's light years ahead of what Pat Shermer's doing. And even teams like Houston and New York, they have things like pre-snap motion. They have things like screen passes and jet sweeps. So that's what I meant by that. Not necessarily the output or the scoring, but just the play design and the situational play calling. The Broncos are in a class by themselves, and it's not a class they want to be in, Chad. That's uh, a failing class with their offense. It's really, really bad when you watch other teams. And even uh, a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo, moving the ball right now against the Colts defense. I mean, every other team can do what the Broncos can, and it looks easy for every other team, whereas with the Broncos, every inch is a struggle. Every yard is a fight. That's just like how Troy Aikman described it in uh, on Thursday night, that <clears throat> sometimes an offense or a team, in this case I'm going to keep it on the offense, gets to a point where everything feels like a struggle. And that's really what where the Broncos are at because they don't have the right guys calling plays and leading this team, and they don't have the right quarterback. quarterback. And, I mean, we could go on. But, Zach, to Michaela's point, I'm looking around the NFL scoreboard. 
Joe Burrow dropping 41 points Ooh. on the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, Boat it was a thunderous yeah. beatdown on a team that absolutely trucked <laughs> the Denver Broncos. Uh, let's see here. The Falcons, they got to 30. I mean, guys, when's the last time your Denver Broncos scored 30 points? All right. Answer that and stay fashionable. I know the answer, but I'm seeing if one of you can do it without Googling it. All right. Uh, even the Dolphins in losing to the Falcons, Zach, dropped 28. The Patriots, 54 freaking points. Now I get it. The Jets are hapless, but 54 points. Is this, are we playing Tech Mobile here? Uh, the Giants got to 25. Uh, Titans trounced the Chiefs. We need to talk about that for just a minute here, Zach. I don't know how much of that game you watched. I was, unfortunately, unable to watch much of anything uh, today because some things going on. But uh, did you see what the what the Titans did to Kansas City? Uh, first of all, the Titans, after a slow start, I think they're regaining their bearings. And that is a really, really well-coached team with Mike Vrabel, a really smooth operation on offense with Tannehill and Derrick Henry. But they beat the Bills. I think that was, I don't know if it was at Tennessee or Buffalo, and then they come back and beat Kansas City. Kansas City's on a downturn. I, I, I don't know if it's quarterback regression from Mahomes or the defense being that bad or Super Bowl hangover, but they're not the same Kansas City Chiefs as we saw the last couple of years. Something is going on there. And to Beto's point here, even the Lions, the Lions almost took down the Rams. I mean, that was a close game. Jared Goff and his revenge game with the Stafford trade, he actually played pretty well. So, yeah, when you watch other offenses, even Detroit, even an offense like uh, the Jets, even an offense quarterback by a, a guy like Mac Jones, they move the ball down the field. They have 21st century play calling, 21st century production. And it's so funny when you watch the Broncos, it's from the 1990s. But uh, in terms of the Kansas City Chiefs, it's sad, Chad, because they're what? Are they 3-4 and four now? 3-3? Three and 3-4. Three? Three and four. Same record as the Broncos, but it, it, the divide still feels like it's miles and miles apart. It's funny that technically Denver's still in the race in the AFC West, but for all intents and purposes, it's pretty much over considering how they played. I have no confidence anymore. Muhammad, what's good, brother? Great to see you. Thank you for the super chat. Uh, looks like little baby Malik's doing well. Uh, David Wilder, appreciate your support as always, my friend. Love your profile pick as well. He says, uh, good evening. Good evening to you as well. Um let me, let me make one point, Chad, about the yeah. Bengals, like, boat racing Baltimore. By the way, the Broncos play Cincinnati in Week 15. That game should be interesting. But if you want to look to good coaching, Zach Taylor got no credit. I mean, he was written off as a firing candidate in his first season. I know having Joe Burrow helps and having those receivers help, but that's a roster that is half as talented overall as Denver's, and they beat the crap out of Baltimore. It's it's really all in the coaching. And Zach Taylor looks like Bill Walsh compared to someone like Vic Fangio. I wish the Broncos, looking back on it, would have hired Taylor and not Fangio. Man, Shane Daniels, good to see you, Bo, uh, my bro. Um, thank you for the stars, all your support, everything you do, Mr. Aviator. He says, I still think Drew Locke needs his final chance to see whether he's the guy. This Teddy experiment has played out how we were rooting for Locke thought it was going to go. I want to see if he made all that progress. The coaches said he made in the off season. You know, it's not just what the coaches said because coach speak is what it is that, you know, they usually speak with their actions, not so much Zach, what, uh, what they say as far as how they communicate, it's what they do. And that what they did was throw in with Teddy Bridgewater, but yeah, you're at a point now as the Denver Broncos. And unfortunately the chiefs losing today, um, the, the downside to that is that the Broncos are going to go, oh, okay, we're still in this. You know, we're three and four. Chiefs are three and four. Meanwhile, 
Vegas, dude, five and two. They're legit. Mm-hmm. This is a yep. this is a true juggernaut possible contender. I think it, in the final analysis, the Raiders stand a really good chance yeah. of winning this division. But the point being made here, Zach, is it time to go to Drew? And if and and I think we both, you and I, know the answer here. But what will it take? Let me put it that way to you. What will it take for the Broncos to give up the ghost, so to speak, and go back to Drew? <laughs> I just think it would take Fangio not being in the picture anymore. Fangio not calling the shots, or at least Pat Shermer, because one of those guys, if not both of them, loves them some Teddy B or a Teddy Bridgewater injury, but they're going to do everything in their power to avoid playing Drew Locke and wipe the egg off their face that would surely be there, Chad. But think about it, Teddy Bridgewater, right now. Let's break down the facts. Everyone talks about data. He's thrown five picks in his last three games. He holds on to the ball at the third longest rate among all NFL quarterbacks. And the Broncos have lost four straight games now. So if you're not going to make a quarterback change based on that criteria, then you're never going to do it unless catastrophic circumstances arise. A firing or a, a, a Teddy Bridgewater injury that he can't play through. I mean, the fact, Chad, it said it all to me. When they had a hobble Teddy going out there, he can barely walk. He looks physically and mentally beat up and broken, and they were so reticent to ever consider playing Drew Locke. Coming out of halftime, gave no consideration to playing Drew Locke. They've turned the page on him. They have an axe to grind with Drew Locke, and it's not that axe is only getting sharper and sharper as it goes on. Hey, Doug, appreciate you, bro. Thank you for the stars, and <clears throat> especially recently, man, you have come on strong in your support of what we're doing here with our live stream podcast. So thank you, brother. Andrew Lampy, another just badass human being. Thank you. He says, I would rather lose out than give up assets, getting another replacement. Time to use the word rebuild for other reason uh, to, for no other reason to accept the truth. Is that, I'm not sure on the syntax at the end there, but your point is not lost on us. You're saying, miss me on Deshaun Watson. Start from scratch, blow it up, hire a new head coach, draft a new young quarterback. And by the way, I think this is kind of false, Chad, when even though Teddy lost Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler, when you have Cortland Sutton, when you have Tim Patrick, when you have Noah Fant, when you have two good running backs and Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams that can catch the ball, that's not what it is. It's that Teddy is holding on to the ball because that's what he's always done in the NFL. There's a reason he was a journeyman. There's a reason uh, he was available. There's a reason why Carolina chose to eat the majority of his salary to get rid of him and and dump him off onto the Broncos and replace him with Sam Darnold. And real quick, talk about Deshaun Watson. Now Carolina, after they benched Darnold today, wants to go after Deshaun Watson. So what does that really say? I mean, if you if you really uh, unpack it there, they're looking to get rid of the quarterback they got to replace Teddy Bridgewater with. He's always been that. He's always held on to the ball and held on to it long enough where he can check it down. That's just who he is. The R word. He's a replacement level quarterback. Uh, And yes, Jamie, by the way, uh, one of the challenges, and this is all part of the tapestry, more than one thing can be true at the same time, right? Teddy's holding on to the ball too long, all right? But at the same time, um, the Denver Broncos, by virtue of losing Jerry Judy and then K.J. Hamler in rapid succession, they lost that juice, speed, route-running prowess, not to say that Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton are, you know, uh, schlubs by any means, but the type of routes they run as big bodied X kind of catch point possession receivers that it takes longer for them, their routes to develop than say 
Jerry Judy, who creates separation with route running, or KJ Hamler, who creates separation through burst and speed. That's part of it, which is why I think, Jamie, it speaks to, hey, you want to make the most of what you have right now. You don't have Jerry Judy. You might get him back this, this coming week. We'll see. You don't have KJ. You don't have Albert O. Go get Drew Locke, who's much better um, much better off scrambling, improvising when those routes are so slow developing. He can maybe make something happen. I mean, the interceptions are coming. It'd be one thing, Zach, if the argument here was, look, the Broncos are losing games. It sucks. But, hey, Teddy's still playing pretty solid ball. He's protecting the football. He's not. Right. I mean, that 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 straw, whatever that straw was that broke the camel's back, that camel has been snapped in half now. All right. This dude is hemorrhaging giveaways over the last couple of games. So what do you have to lose is my point. You need, A, you need a spark. B, quarterback play is bottom three right now. And it's very possible, Zach, that Drew comes in and gives you bottom five quarterback play. I'm not dismissing that as a distinct possibility, but you don't know. He looked better to us, all right, from what we were able to see this summer in training camp and the preseason. Give it a shot. You got nothing to lose. David says most teams stay with the run a lot more if it's working. Yeah, I mean – Pat Shermer has he, he has no uh, feel, man. He has no feel. I, I can't explain it, Randy. Why is Pat still the OC? Because Vic Fangio goes down with the ship, I guess. You know, Rich Scangarella was an Elway guy, Zach. Shermer is a Fangio guy. I, two things, though. I, if you put a player like Cortland Sutton in Green Bay or in another high-powered offense with good coaching, even Tim Patrick, Noah Fant, those are all potential 1,000-yard guys. So I really don't want to hear about uh, that they're being slow to the catch point. They're running slow routes. Um, I, I think they, they have way too much talent they're squandering based on their quarterback play and their play calling. A lot like last year, both things could be true, and I think both things are true when it comes to the Broncos. In terms of Pat Shermer, I mean, that's a question we're all going to have to answer. I think he could be the sacrificial goat uh, come the bye week or maybe a little sooner if things start careening. If Vic is going to start doing everything he can to save his own behind, just like naming Teddy the starter over Drew Locke, and uh, that's going to be the first domino to fall. But there's also a decent chance they're all going to ride it out to the end of the season, and then George Payton will make his uh, his modifications from there. But it's not going to get any better with Pat Shermer at the controls. Mike Reno, <clears throat> pardon me. Thank you for the stars, brother. It happens to be similar to the topic here from Todd Ostendorf, who says, for those of you thinking that Drew could provide some spark, why? If he has the same coaching at offensive coordinator, do you think he could be any more successful? What has Shermer done to win? So this goes back to the old trope, which is that it doesn't matter what quarterback you put in there right now. So long as Pat Shermer is the one pulling the strings, calling the plays, Head meet wall. That's going to continue. Einstein's definition of insanity. And there is some truth to that as a misgiving. But I'll tell you this. If you're looking for, you know, if you kind of go by the rule of thumb, and it is a rule of thumb, all right, that the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. The last time the Broncos went to Drew in season off the bench, he did spark the team. Now, was it a romping whirlwind a la Tim Tebow 2011? No, but he sparked the team. So, uh, what again, what do you have to lose? David says, Teddy's no longer steady Teddy, so the coaches are not doing this because Teddy's playing any better. No, this is a matter of pride, and it's not just a matter of pride, Zach. It's one of those things. Some coaches 
when they name that starter, especially at quarterback, it's almost a sacrosanct. What's the word? What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, sacrosanct position. And, you know, if I pull him now, not only you just don't do that with your starting quarterback as long as he's healthy or, you know, in Teddy's case, as long as he can stand on two legs, you know, and uh, with a Toradol shot, throw the ball. But I think more than anything, Zach, this is a matter of pride for for, for old Vic. I, I think it's personal with, with Locke and Vic. I, 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 if they trusted Drew at all, the slightest, 1%. I think they would have put him in there at some point, you know, even just to give Teddy a break. But that's the problem, like you kind of mentioned. If you pull Teddy and go to Drew, you really can't turn that back around again. It's not like you have interchangeable quarterbacks. There's a morale factor in there, a chemistry factor in there. And then if you do that, you're banking on Drew Locke being the guy that's going to turn you around. And if he doesn't do it, you look even worse if you're a Vic Fangio, and if he does do it, Chad, then Fangio's going to get criticized. Why don't you play Drew? Why don't you start Drew to begin with? So if he goes to number three, it's almost a lose-lose for Vic, but he could have avoided this by making the right call in the beginning and uh, anointing Drew Locke the starter at a training camp. You could have always gone to Teddy. You could have always gone to Teddy. And I think part of what's fueling the uh, Fangio's reticence, Zach, and then we'll grab Josh here, uh, to go to Drew, is when Drew did get called on in that Ravens game. He wasn't very good. Now, as we talked about in that gut reaction episode immediately following, I mean, he was that was arguably the most impotent collective performance I've ever seen from a Broncos offense like in recent memory. Like everyone failed Drew Locke. And Drew didn't play well either, but like guys, let's not pretend for for a second here that there wasn't some there wasn't a plausible there wasn't empirical evidence to suggest that that wasn't exactly the most square opportunity, fair shot for Drew to show to Vic, Shermer, Shula, hey, look, I am a better quarterback than you might have thought. Josh says, will there be any kind of change before next game, whether it's a new OC or a new no. starting quarterback? Nah. No. Not according to Vic. And we told you that. Everyone was up in arms, Zach, Thursday night, and we are right there with you. But at the same time, we were having to tell everybody as far as setting expectations that, honestly, the soonest you could probably expect any change, whether it's a firing, a stepping down, a quarterback change, it's the bye. And that's not till week freaking 11. I don't know. You lose to Washington, and that game is at home. Correct, Chad? It's in Denver. Mm -hmm. You lose that game. You lose to Taylor Heineke and a really awful – Washington defense, except for their front seven, you lose five in a row uh, and on your home turf once again. How do you justify keeping the same coaching staff around? Again, at some point, it reflects on George Payton if he condones the losing and the losing and the incompetency at head coach and coordinators, Chad. Uh, but I want to make one point, though. It's really telling that the Raiders, you brought them up earlier, they're 5-2 and two now. They took it to Philadelphia today. They didn't have Jacobs, who left the game. They didn't have Darren Waller, who was inactive. And they still ran roughshod on that Philly defense. But you're going to tell me the Broncos, with Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Noah Fan, two great running backs, uh, they couldn't take it to a, a decimated Cleveland team. They couldn't do more than what they did. They had to wait an entire half to get going once again. So uh, they really don't have the horses at certain spots, like quarterback, but the coaching fails them completely. And Rich Basaccia, two weeks in a row now, has proven to be such a better coach. Wish the Broncos could have hired him. He makes, you know, he makes Fangio look even worse. Move over Dave Tobe and John Harbaugh, right? 
Um, KB, a.k.a. Kenneth Brook, uh, Booker, a.k.a. Mile High Huddle staff writer, says, Fangio, he's going to pull a Kubiak when he was supposed to play Paxton in the last game but kept Simeon in out of spite. Wouldn't surprise good, me. Good times. Wouldn't, wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. Uh, Robot of Doom, appreciate you being with us on Twitch, my friend, as well as this cat. Uh, don't I'll just say Tim, all right? Tim, thank you for being That's with us on too. Twitch. Teddy's throwing arm will have to fall off before they go to Drew. Uh, Andrew Baker, he with the braids and a very beautiful young family. Good to see you, Andrew. He says, should we buy or sell? Right now, I'm uh, hearing to wait until next week, but George Payton needs to step in even in a honeymoon year. Um, MHH, appreciate you, brother. I think the Broncos, I don't know. This is hard. I'm trying to put myself in their shoes and the way they might be thinking or viewing this. A, or in other words, the way George Payton might be viewing this. And remember, there is some influence still from on high as far mm-hmm. as John Elway, a little bit. And my guess is that they're going to hold on for dear life. Um, and that means they're probably going to be buyers more than sellers when it comes to the deadline. Did you notice, Chad, during the Cleveland game, they cut to the Broncos um, uh, suite and they weren't showing George Payton like they would show a general manager. They, they showed John Elway. Looking over with the it, binoculars, it like made he was me still wonder, the GM. where is George? Is George sitting up there with John? Because right. exactly, why are you showing us the guy who has, you know, basically no imprint, with the exception of, I mean, I guess there's a lot of players he put on this roster. Don't get me wrong, he hired the coach, all that, but like George Payton's the man who is ultimately responsible. Where the buck is stopping right now? Where's George? Where's GP? But, you know, I put this on Twitter yesterday. The Broncos have such a weird and uh, unconventional hierarchical setup with their front office, Chad. The longtime GM steps down, but he's still lurking in the shadows. You hire a new GM, but, you know, you foist the holdover coaching staff on him. That's not a recipe for success. That's not ideal, especially when you don't have an owner in the building. You don't have an owner present, and the results are proving as much. It's just a weird setup that hopefully improves next year when it's fully Peyton's baby and Elway's out of the picture. Ellis is out of the picture and they can you know, turn the page to a new culture. Dennis Woods in Michigan, proving Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. Appreciate you, bro. He says, I was against trying for Deshaun Watson before the season, but now we're swirling around the toilet. Time to make a bold move. Do whatever it takes. Give what we have to give to get Watson. Time to take that chance. I understand the impulse, Dennis. But, uh, again, we're talking about a trade, Zach, that's probably still going to include two first-round picks. Yep. So you're telling me, Dennis, salvaging this season and this season alone in the hope that Deshaun Watson could step in and give you a miracle, knowing that there is a – other shoe that could be dropping in the not too distant future in terms of criminal charges. I mean, there've been rumors that criminal charges could be coming when it comes to the NFL's uh, conduct policy. I think the newer version of it is if a player is either charged, they don't have to be convicted. If a player is charged with a, is it a felony? I think it's a felony or maybe just some kind of violent crime. You know, if they get a charge that's relative to violent crime, um, oh, there, what's the other caveat? Either way, then they can be suspended or put on the, you know, they, they, they can be sanctioned. Let's just put it that way. 
And I don't know about you, Dennis, but if I'm giving up a couple of first round picks, maybe even more, I want that warm and fuzzy feeling that the, the destiny of that trade is up to me and the guy that I just acquired, not an outside influence that could step in, pull the rug out from under me, take the quarterback, and then also I'm out my two first rounders or whatever I gave up to get him. That's the biggest problem, bro. Well, you know, going back to, a, we were talking about it a few minutes ago, Deshaun Watson's not in the Garner Minshew, Teddy Bridgewater bracket where he's another team's leftovers. I mean, you're talking about a 26, 27-year-old in his prime, NFL's leading passer last year, Pro Bowl quarterback. I mean, that would be a franchise guy, but 22, as far as, far as I know, I haven't followed it that closely, 22 open cases and uh, investigations of sexual misconduct against Deshaun Watson. And so what? That would be, I think, enough for George Payton to kind of back off, but then you're going to surrender two first-round picks, which is goal to Payton, to saddle him, at least temporarily, with Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer. What would be the point? If they passed on, using that logic, if they passed on Fields and Mac Jones, another quarterback in the draft, why would they want to trade multiple first-round picks, multiple pieces of capital, all that compensation, and give Deshaun Watson to a coaching staff that, that maybe likely won't be here this time next year, if not much sooner. So I, I don't see George Payton making that trade. I think Miami is the place where he goes because Miami is that desperate to acquire him, and he's uh, reportedly signed off on Miami. Contrary to popular belief, Chad, he never signed off on Denver. That was a rumor started by Kareem Jackson, his former teammate. He, he really never wanted to come to the Broncos. You'll have your answer, by the way, on the whole Deshaun Watson thing no later than November 2nd. So we'll keep an eye on that. Before we grab Eli here on Facebook, got to give you guys an update on where we stand on the raffle for the Pat Sertan jersey. Now, of course, as you know, but keep in mind, guys, we got to break this down because we have new listeners every single day. We have a goal on Facebook to get to 250,000 stars. Stars are a way that our community, our listeners, our audience on Facebook can support what we're doing here financially, keep this content coming. So we set a goal, 250,000. If we hit it, we're going to raffle off a Pat Sertan jersey. And the only people in the running for that raffle are the people who contributed to the goal. Now we're at 64% complete. We got about a week left in the month. So it's going to come down to the wire, and it's probably going to take a uh, clutch performance push to ensure we get this done. But let me show you, thank, thankfully, uh, Facebook does a really good job of uh, keeping track of who's contributing to that goal. Randy, a.k.a. Rando, a.k.a. RJ of the North at number one. Josh Hoyle at two. Josh, you've really le leapfrogged some bona fide MHH Mount Rushmore peeps, so props to you and thank you. Shane Daniels, the aviator himself, who Zach, you and I got to hang out with for a uh, uh, better part of an entire game day uh, in week three. Good to see you, bro. Lawrence Rivera, thank you for the stars today as well, my friend. Uh, Andrew Lampy, Michael Ronquillo. Haven't seen Michael. Is Michael in the chat tonight? Um, Mama Muti right there. Peter Middleton at eight. Travis Weber, nine. Andrew Baker at 10. And Doug's right there at the right on the outside, David. But see, all these guys are still going to have tickets in the hat, okay? Uh, but the, the top 10 is who are going to end up having the most tickets in that hat. So let's grab this topic here from Eli, and then we can check on the YouTube contest as well. Is that updated, by the way? Okay, we'll check on that here in just a second. Eli says, who in the Sam Hill is going to play middle linebacker? Quarterback is only 50% of the problem. We have no middle linebackers. 
and we trade for a defensive end. That's right. In case you missed it, the Broncos sent shockwaves through the NFL, <laughs> giving up a seventh-round pick uh, to acquire Stefan, or is it Steven? I think this one's Steven Weatherly, a third, fourth-string rush linebacker edge guy from the Minnesota Vikings. He has zero sacks in, in this 2021 <laughs> season. So nice. I can understand why Eli's got everything from question marks, multiple exclamation points in this particular message here, Zach. But here's the problem. You lose Josie Jewell, that gum. All right. We still got Alexander Johnson, who was playing like a top five linebacker. Then he goes down. All right. Now Justin Sternod, who had stepped in for Josie. Now he's your senior guy on deck. He looks like he doesn't know which way is up. He looks like he is swimming so badly. Like he can't make out the shores, Zach. Like he's so far out to sea. He he's it's it's almost like he's just it's hopeless. When so Keenum trucked him near the goal line, he was on his he was just looking like in disbelief. Then the Broncos had earlier in this season they'd uh, they'd signed Micah Kaiser, right? Veteran who'd relatively untested in the NFL, still young but relative veteran. He gets injured in his first career start for the Broncos, and now he's on injured reserve. So then they pull up Curtis Robinson, the undrafted rookie, to play next to Sternot. I mean, it's a crap show which is why you should go read eric trickle's article today the published that's three changes that vic fangio can make to upgrade this defense with the horses that they have go read that zach but what do the broncos do to try and get through this is this a matter of hoping baron browning shakes that concussion and you just play him and say look dude there's never going to be a perfect time we're in the we're in the clutch right now we need you get out there bump your head go through your trial and error because you're our only hope well, first of all, an edge rusher with zero sacks, how very on-brand for the Broncos, you know, and they just can't get any production opposite Von Miller. Um, when they made that trade, though, and I saw it was an outside linebacker, edge rusher, whatever, not an inside guy, a pure off-ball linebacker, it says to me that maybe Von's ankle is more injured than they're letting on, Then you know, it could be maybe a multi-week injury or something that's going to linger, and they wanted some reinforcement there. Um, I, I hope Baron Browning gets healthy. He's had a really rough rookie year with injuries, been behind the eight ball constantly. He was supposed to be the inside linebacker of the future, but he wasn't supposed to play this much this fast. So, uh, they better pick one up because they can't get by with Curtis Robinson and Barrington Wade for much longer. I do have a shiny ball dome. In fact, look, is it, it's shiny. You can see the shine ah, right ah, there. The glare. Put, where's your sunglasses, dude? <laughs> I know your future's so bright, you got to wear shades. But when you podcast with Jensen, you got to wear them too. Uh, hey, I don't know. Flattering, weird at the same time. Your YouTube handle, either way. Why? Thank you for the super chat, though. <laughs> Flattering and weird. Why do we keep getting linked to quarterbacks? Watson, Minshew, Cam Newton. Is it part of Peyton's hand in every deal, or is it because ours? Yep. It's the latter, my dog. And, you know, people just... You know, like Drew Locke, period. And a story outside the Mile High City, inside the Mile High City, Drew Locke, his name is basically Mud. And so when Teddy's struggling, it used to be Zach, right, in Denver, the backup quarterback, the most popular guy in town. <laughs> Not here. <laughs> Not in this case. I mean, no. Drew Locke, derangement syndrome, its effects, its virulent ravages have uh, turned that old one-liner on its ear, but but yeah, dude. Uh, Christian, what up, dude? Thank you. He says, Matt uh, Corral and Dayball would save us. P 
please, Peyton. Am I saying that right, or is it Coral? Corral, right? I think it's Corral. Either way, we'll see, buddy. We'll see. I, uh, I'm thinking Brian Dayball. We don't know how, other than the fact that the Bills – let me tell you why Brian Dayball is not a head coach. They got all the way to the AFC title game. If they would have got bounced in the first round or whatever, he would have been hired as a head coach somewhere. But teams don't want to wait that long because then they worry about what they're missing out on. So odds are he's going to be a head coach, though, this this next cycle. Well, Chad, can I address your ball doom for a second? Uh, the, the, answer, the answer to that question about being linked to every quarterback, when you watch a Broncos game and they inevitably play that carousel graphic of quarterbacks since Peyton Manning, that's exactly why. They don't have a franchise guy, and they've become known around the NFL for not having a franchise quarterback and uh, picking up everyone else's leftovers. I would love Brian Dayball. He's my number two guy in the prospective head coaching cycle behind Kellen Moore. But I'm thinking maybe more of Greg Roman, Malik Willis, kind of replicate what Greg Roman's doing in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. I would also take Kellen Moore and Matt Corral. Pretty much any of those three, Dayball, Moore, or Greg Roman as the head coach, I feel confident with them molding the next quarterback of the future, whether it's Willis, Corral, or anybody else. Spencer Rattler. Bama Broncos, a.k.a. Brandon Harden. Thank you for the super chat, brother. He says, Vic, um, is supposed to be the best defensive coach in the NFL. Why is our defense struggling? We're going to tackle Because he's not. That's why. He's not all he's cracked up to be. And I do think that Vic is a better better, uh, coordinator than what you're seeing as far as the proof in the pudding this, this year. It's just that he's not a guy that can tap his his head and rub his belly at the same time. You know, he belongs as a defensive coordinator. Or maybe, who knows, we'll never have the answer to this because he's not going to give up defensive play calling duties. Maybe he could have been a decent head coach if he would have just said, hey, I'm going to hire a defensive coordinator or the, my trusted lieutenant at Donatel. I'm going to give him that duty so that I can do the best possible job being the head coach. Some guys can tap the head, rub the belly. I mean, Andy Reid. Right. I mean, the list goes on. Mike Shanahan, one of those guys. I don't think Vic is one of those guys. That Well, first of all, I mean, I don't I take umbrage with even calling him a really, really good defensive coordinator. What makes him so special, Chad? He's a bend but don't break defense that more often than not breaks. They never come up clutch. They don't get turnovers. He rarely blitzes. His guys are never up to play. They have no passion. They have no intensity. I mean, really, when's the last time you saw Vic Fangio's defense win a game for Denver? I mean, in the clutch, when the moment uh, strikes, when the, when the clock is running out, very rarely. The, his big calling card, he's good against rookie quarterbacks. That doesn't impress me too much. A lot of uh, coordinators are Bill Belichick for one. When you want the Vic Fangio defense to step up for you, it never, ever does. So that's why I'm saying I would take Wade Phillips in a heartbeat, 10 out of 10, 100 out of 100 times over Vic Fangio. Not as a head coach, as a coordinator. I think he's just much better, and he gets more uh, from his players. I just racked my brain trying to think of games where the defense got the stop in the clutch. I'm thinking the Shelby Harris, or no, that was VJ, the interception on Big Ben. That was VJ's last year, wasn't it, right? That was the year of Phillips' emergence. Phillip Lindsay. Okay, so scratch that one. I remember Shelby doing something really cool in the season finale in 2019 on the final play. It was a tip pass or something like that to secure the win against the Raiders. That's all I've got. 
But do, do you realize if you have to rack your brain and you can't think of anything, that's the indictment right there. It should come to you right away if he is that great and bona fide as a coordinator, and he's really not. I think that secret um, is starting to get out now, at least to our fan base chat, our listeners. It's something we or I've been hammering home for a while. He is way overrated as a defensive play caller, as far as I'm concerned. Edward, hold that thought just for a second before I forget and we get caught up. I just want to update everybody on where the Patrick Sertan contest stands on YouTube. We're doing the same thing as far as raffling off a Pat Sertan jersey to our YouTube community. The difference is only the top five finishers on Super Chat are in the running for that. They'll each have a ticket in the hat. And then each tier, all right, is going to get a little piece of swag. I've got boxes and boxes of MHH swag in my house um, that is going to be going out to people. All right. So here's number one, Mark from Georgia, a.k.a. Mark Langley, a.k.a. Big Daddy Mark. Michaela, who probably leaps frog mark here. I don't know. We'll see uh, tomorrow. We'll check it out. At number two, the queen, Christy, at number three. Najal Toff, one of the most dynamic and uh, entertaining personalities in person that you'll ever meet, at number four. Seth Harmon, he of the Acid Hippos, right there at number five. Good to see you, Seth. And Chris Hernandez at six, just outside. Uh, D-Dub at seven. BG, Aaron Lynch, Shane Daniels, Zeus. So there's, there's your... Uh, rankings all right um ed keating let me uh let me pull that up sorry ed appreciate your patience buddy um vic and Shermer need to be gone now they don't deserve to be the coaches of the broncos my three-year-old daughter can coach better lol fire vic and Shermer. make mike shula head coach bench teddy and start lock so happy to be back. Thanks, guys. Yeah, where you been, dude? Everything okay in your neck of the woods? It is great having you back. Thank you for that very generous super chat. Zach, your response to his solution here. Well, I would settle for Shula being the OC, let alone the head coach. I mean, just something to try to spark a change, get new blood uh, under the headset calling plays. Hopefully a more 21st century offense emerges from that. I really don't have any hope to save the quarterbacks, either Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke at this point, but a change has to be made if only to spark the team again. So I'm right there with it. Whether you promote Munchak to head coach or Mike Shula, uh, if you start Drew Locke, at some point, if you keep losing games and the playoffs become mathematically impossible or improbable, you have nothing left to lose. See what you have on your roster in terms of coaches and players and start to look ahead, unfortunately, to 22. As long as John Elway is still at the top, this is a team that never says die. So whatever that plan was going into the season, they don't deviate from that until they have to say die. And then out come all the contingencies and the let's see what we got in this guy. Real quick shout out to these top star senders for today. Lawrence Rivera at the top, Josh Hoyle, Randy Jones, Doug Raquel, Andrew Lampy, Shane Daniels, David Wilder, Mike Reno, David Crespin, Nathan, love you, Nathan, Andrew Baker, Charlie Young, and DeAngelis Jones. Y'all are studs and superstars. Bombastic, baby. Fantastic. Huh? All right. Zach's going, wait a minute. What are you talking about? You don't remember that song? Shaggy, is that Shaggy? Ah, okay, yeah. redeemed the recesses three, of my mind. Only a three second gap there where I was like, Is Zach the person I thought he was? and then Shaggy <laughs> like, confirmed. Uh, all right, we're at 41 minutes, we still got a little bit of time here. Uh, Lawrence says, Well, good news, we found out we got another Broncos fan joining us this summer, baby number two, 2022. Congrats, Congrats dude, mazels, that's rad. 
congratulations. And um, you'll have to let us know whether it's a boy, whether it's a girl. What do you have already, boy or girl? Let us know. But congrats, man. That is awesome. Multiply and replenish the earth, right? Congrats, Congrats, Lawrence. Thank you. Doug, you demand. Um, Okay. Let me see here. I want to try and, and get some of these other comments and see what we got here that might be. Oh, yeah, here, here we go. Carson Wentz is so bad. <laughs> Savage Boy Kev, in case you missed it, guys, Mike Purcell suffered a rather significant finger injury on Thursday night. He's going to be out probably a couple weeks. And so Savage Boy Kev says now QB pressure is going to be even worse. Well, Mike Purcell's never been a right. – penetrator per se he's more of the you know he can penetrate like most uh, average to above average nose tackles you know he can penetrate a little bit but that's not his calling card in fact you know what maybe i should just bring this article up here because let me tell you zach i want your thoughts on this let me let me pull up this trickle article three changes all right that the broncos can make defensively with the horses that they have all right to improve this uh reeling and depleted defense um all right, let me get down here. Uh, oh, got to close this guy so I can blow it up. All right, first and foremost, shuffle the starting four. He says, quote, the first change the Broncos need to do, switch their four-player defensive line. Keep Von Miller as the seven technique, as the edge defender. Play Draymond Jones as a five technique. Then go with Shelby Harris and Deshaun Williams as three techniques. They don't have very many other choices than putting in Deshaun right now. Then you have... Shamar Stefan and McTelvin Ajim as your rotational guys. Number two, sit Malik Reed down and put in Jonathan Cooper. All right, to, to start opposite of Vaughn. Reed still rotates and you know spells whoever needs a breather, but put Cooper in as the starter. The difference in his execution, again, this dude had five QB pressures. And I know that I've kind of poo-pooed on the, you know, how big of a deal really are quarterback pressures if you're not getting home and getting sacks. But Cooper had five pressures in when Miller went down in, in uh, Cleveland. He came in the game, five pressures. Malik Reed, the entire season, boys and girls, nine quarterback pressures, right? And then the last thing is, uh, as far as the secondary, because you lack the depth at, at linebacker, you need to go with your big nickel package, basically. Bring Caden Stearns on to start where Kareem Jackson had been and drop Kareem Jackson down to be a, a dimebacker. Problem is, if you roll with that, Zach, well, actually, let, let me just get your thoughts on it. All right. What are your thoughts on those three relative, you know, they seem minor, but could have some kind, some a sizable impact. I, I agree. The thing about Purcell, it, it's another guy you can argue got paid by the Broncos and his production started dipping. I mean, he was the highest rated run defender in the NFL in 2019, got a contract, hasn't really been the same since. I agree with shuffling the line around. I definitely agree with giving Jonathan Cooper more playtime. I mean, you saw him explode off the ball. He should have had. He was one step away from a sack against Cleveland. You got to try to spark a change there. And it could remind me of uh, when they put Purcell and A.J. Johnson into the lineup in 2019. Is last year 2019, and it just changed the defense completely. Uh, 2019, and that, it's a, it's a little change they can do personnel wise. But when I see Dimebacker, it makes me think of Sua Cravens, Mark Barron. I mean, they've had problems there at that spot. But I agree with the premise. 
I want to see way more Caden Stearns. That guy is a playmaker. That guy is the starting safety of the future opposite Simmons. And I want to see less of Kareem Jackson, who's constantly late. He's a liability in coverage, great in the box, great in run support, good, you know, defensive mouthpiece, but strictly just that near the line of scrimmage. So I'm with Trickle 100% on that. Problem with Kareem, too, is you're right. He's that physical, just whirling dervish in and around the box and the line of scrimmage. But his problem this year anyway has been missed tackles. This dude's not been as reliable as a tackler. So he gets, whether it's angles, execution, I don't know. Vic Fangio, when, when he stood up and talked about his whole death by inches ethos, all right, when he was hired, he talked about it really starts with coaching the fundamentals and and being very strict in those demands. And then at the end of the Cleveland game and post game, what went wrong, Vic? Oh, we just we weren't on our fundamentals, man. They're lacking. It's like, well, dude, where's your death by in- what happened to death by inches? Mike says, if we lose to the Washington football team, will management step in? Vic is not going to change anything. I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I hate to depress you guys, but I don't think you see a change until again, it's the never say die. And I mean, those of you who were with us. For the Broncos Book Club, as we read Jason Cole's tome on Elway of Relentless Life, you see that, man. It's in his nature is we're going with plan A until we just don't have a choice anymore. And then they'll start trotting out the guys. Like, that's the only reason Drew Locke played in, in 2019. They were out of the dance. There was no hope of making the playoffs. So they said, all right, let's see what we got in some guys. They are very dogged. Now, there are other teams, Zach, who will be a little more – um, innovative, risky, willing to take chances in season while the games are still counting. Just the Broncos have never been that under under Elway. Um, Brandon Harden, real quick, Zach. Bama Broncos said the Broncos hold a record this year in the NFL for being the worst team on third down. Yeah, they suck, dude. The Broncos suck offensively and defensively. Now they're one or the worst on third down too. Well, in terms of the Washington game, I, context as always matters. It, it, it's how they would lose that game if they do lose. If they lose 40-39, let's say, and the offense comes out with an explosion, they're not going to fire Pat Shermer. It's going to buy him more time, actually. But if they come out like they did against Cleveland and they have no life, they can't score, they can't move the ball against a defense, which they should be able to beat at home in front of a booing crowd when you can see more empty seats in the stadium – I do believe a domino could fall. Maybe not Vic Fangio after the game, but I, I don't know how you lose five straight. You lose at home. You lose to a quarterback named Taylor Heineke in the Washington team. I think they're two and four now or two and five. How do you not make a change? Either Shermer, McMahon, some scapegoat. I do think it's a possibility. I'll tell you. <clears throat> pardon me. I'll tell you what they are real quick. Washington is now two. Where to go? I want to uh, say two and five. I don't think they buy it, but I might be wrong. Oh, yeah, two and five. You're right. Um, Lester says, why isn't George Payton getting any blame for drafting a corner instead of a QB? Well, because Patrick Sertan is the truth. That's why. If Patrick Sertan um, has had completely just been swimming, I mean, he's basically been playing starter snaps since week two. And with a couple of little bumps in the road, he has held his own. Like, he's easily, as a rookie, been the Denver Broncos' best corner. I mean, you can c- throw in Bryce Callahan, but Vic Fangio doesn't consider them to be corners. That's a nickel. So we're talking outside the numbers. He has been Denver's best cornerback 
So if he had been stepping up to the plate in these first um, seven games and struggling, it would only add to that whole, man, why didn't you take a quarterback? And then throw in the fact that Mac Jones and Justin Fields were really your options. Justin Fields, you know, he's still got time, plenty of time, but he's not looking good at all. And meanwhile, you get back to that age-old question, is it the quarterback or is it Belichick with regard to Mac Jones, who dropped 54 points today, by the way. But your thoughts for Lester? McDaniels is doing a great job with Mac Jones. Uh, The thing about the quarterbacks is I don't think Peyton had the conviction to pull the trigger on Fields, who, by the way, in I think through a quarter and a half, he had three fumbles and a pick. It's almost like young quarterbacks make mistakes, Chad. Funny how that works, you know? And I was told he was a future Hall of Famer field, so I'm going to have to back down from those. Wait a minute. Are you telling me not all first-round quarterbacks come out of the box and break records like I, Justin Herbert? It's crazy. It's crazy the young quarterbacks are prone to mistakes, Chad. I thought Drew Locke was the only quarterback that fumbled and, and yeah. turned over the ball, you know? Yeah. So, you know, and uh, I don't think he had conviction for Fields. I don't think he had conviction for Mac Jones. I think Trey Lance was Peyton's guy. And when Lance went off the board at number three, he moved on to the next guy on his board, and that was Pat Sertan. And to your point, Chad, I agree with everything you said. He's also getting picked on more by opposing quarterbacks than Bryce Callahan is. They're testing him every single week. By the way, on that front, real quick, or I'll forget, six targets. Keenum went at him six times. He relinquished one catch. For one yard. You said it best. I think he is the truth. If there, if there's very few bright spots about the Broncos right now, Pat Sertan is one of them. And it would not surprise me if we see a Trevon Diggs jump in year two from Pat Sertan. He has that potential. I mean, you're talking about a perennial all pro. His upside is that high. Jesse, appreciate you. Nathan, appreciate you. Yes, we do need some offensive innovation on the coaching level. Christian says, and thank you for the super chat, my friend. I don't know why, but I still have optimism. Hashtag lead us, George. Hey, dude, optimism is a good thing. We're never going to fault anyone for feeling optimistic. The Duchess jumping in again. Love that profile pic, by the way, Michaela. Looking good. She says, any chance this Monday we'll get an early Christmas gift and the coaches will be fired? Now, you guys have heard about the supply chain problems, right? Availability is a big deal. Turns out firing coaches that lose four in a row after dropping to sub-500 seasons twice, those are firing as a gift. That's in short supply as well, Zach, the supply chain. Unfortunately, Broncos can do nothing for you, Michaela. Supply chain. Um, I could see Chad's point of view where nothing happens until the bye week at a minimum or maybe not until after the season. But, Michaela, if you're holding on hope, and I know you are because you're as mad as we are about the coaching with the Broncos, if they lose to Washington at home and they come out uninspired, they can't move the ball, they can't score, I have this sneaking suspicion in my gut that Pat Shermer or someone uh, gets their walking papers. Much deserved, by the way. James Grossman, what's good, buddy? Appreciate you. And the stars, he says, hey, fellas, love my Broncos no matter the record, but I just can't get over the amount of injuries between this year and last. What do you think is behind Mm. this? (laughs) You got your soapbox ready. It can't just be coincidence. We don't believe in quinky dinks on this show. That both our starting linebackers tore their pecs. Now, the whole thing about the pec thing, this is one of those rare examples where it might be an actual coincidence. However, Vic Fangio uh, said something to the effect when um, AJ went down that he was asked about that. Isn't that weird, Vic? 
both your guys, I mean, pectoral tears for what it's worth relative to the, you know, if you look at injuries that cost players the season in the NFL each year as a pie chart, pectoral tears are make up a very slim share of that. But to, and so to lose your two starting linebackers to a pectoral, Vic Fangio said, you know, we're looking at that because it is weird, but pectorals has grown in the league as an injury the last few years, according to Vic. That's not information I've researched myself, uh, according to Vic. It sounds like, you know, a phony, just made up, you know, snake oil salesman logic right there, Chad. The Broncos either, or Johnson and Jewel either had unbelievably bad luck or it's not a coincidence. Maybe it's something with the training program. Maybe it's something with the lifting that they're doing. Maybe it's the length of the practices or how Fangio constructs that. We've been beating on the Lauren Landau. I'm going to say his name. I know we can't say that. It's uh, it's it's uh, taboo. I'm going to bang on that drum because ever since he was hired, the injuries, lower body injuries, soft tissue injuries, they have skyrocketed. And we're going to continue saying that until something changes. Man, it's like a broken record around here. Michael, love you, buddy. Claude, if our team was as good on the field as you two are on the mic, we'd be undefeated. Dude, that's very sweet of you. Great job as always. Like, share, and if you can spare the cost of a cup of coffee each month, become a supporter. Let's help keep this great content coming. Claude's hey, coming from my like job. The check. He got the check, <laughs> dude. Nice. Thank you, Claude. Appreciate, appreciate you, Claude. For real, that's very sweet, and we do appreciate that very, very much. Andrew Nunn, none your business in the house saying, big Drew Lock guy here. Cool. Wish the Broncos would have just pulled the trigger and traded him to the Vikings. I mean, I'm trying to re- recall if there was ever a Viking connection there, but uh, other than George Payton, but uh, makes you wonder why him. they haven't traded him. Cause you know, they could have traded him. Not going to get a second round pick back that you gave up to draft him. Plus I'm trying to remember what they gave up in that little trade up they did to get him at 42, but either way, you're not going to get that back, but with the, depredations teams are going through relative to the quarterback position across the league, Zach, I would guess you could probably get a fifth round pick and maybe some kind of conditional something, something for drew lock, but they have chosen not to trade him. And yet they're fielding a completely banged up, terrible, bad quarterback that sounds good at the podium and, uh, you know, makes sure he takes his left tackle out to dinner on the road quarterback well first of all minnesota doesn't need him they drafted kellen mond who looks like he could be a good quarterback of the future second of all i think why the broncos didn't trade lock aside from needing a backup on the roster not named brett rippon is that he has no value if garner Minshew can only draw a conditional sixth then Minshew actually has popularity and name recognition and a cult following I don't think Locke is going for a fifth. I think he go for a seventh at most. And at that point, might as well hold on to him. Cost-controlled young quarterback, still developing. You never know what you have in him until you play him. I think that's why George never pulled the trigger on a deal. He has no value around the NFL. Rodney says, has Draymond Jones' frustration – how has Draymond Jones' frustration last week impacted the team's mood? I've, saw, I've seen him throw his helmet on the ground. Dude, him and everyone else, I mean – from bickering with coaches on the sideline to tossing helmets to, I mean, it's just the way it is. Draymond needs to step up, man. He's getting pressures, but dude needs to close, man. Dude needs to close or else no more coffee. 
Coffee's well, for closers. Well, let me say something though. I, at least I appreciate Draymond's uh, anger. I, I appreciate his intensity. After the game, I don't know how many people caught this. Did you see Justin Simmons kind of canoodling with Case Keenum and smiling and yucking it up? I, I, I mean, canoodling. I like that. Where get angry? I want to see more of the, what Draymond Jones is doing. I want to see more helmet throwing. But then again, you don't have a coach that can rein that in. That's a sign that the head coach really doesn't have the respect of his players and things are crumbling around him. Mike, I can't tell you where to get a gorgeously ugly Bronco shirt like the one you're seeing me wear right now. I was given this for Christmas by my folks several years back. No idea where they got it, but it, it, either get, dude, that's the ugliest shirt I've ever seen, or that shirt is dope. I'm with the latter. You know, I, I do think it's dope. But guys, we're here at 58 minutes, so we're about out of time. Uh, Lawrence with an update. Thank you guys for all the love. I got one little boy now uh, that just hit the big one year yesterday. So he's ready for someone to share his toys. Very cool, buddy. Bless. Very cool. I uh, just want to make sure. <laughs> 1772 BC. <laughs> that might be a little generous for Shermer as well. Yeah. Golly. <laughs> Gallows humor, they call it. Boys and girls. Uh, Jeremy says they'll change coaches, coaches once yeah, the playoffs maybe. are out of reach. That's how it is, man. That's just how this team operates, um, et cetera. All right, let me see here. want to make sure we, we don't leave anyone hanging. Stand by, guys. Apologies for the dead air, but just want to take one quick circle back. Uh, got him, got him. All right, there's the last thing. It's not a super chatter, stars, but our last topic, and then we got a dip. From Morpheus in the house, for the love of God, the reason why the Broncos need to land Deshaun Watson is, and I will give you three reasons, Mahomes, Herbert, Carr. If they don't land Watson, Broncos will be last for the next 10 years. We'll see, buddy. I mean... The, every draft class um, offers opportunities, and you know we'll see what the 2022 class looks like. But it's sure angling Zach as if the Broncos are going to have to go back to the well because they gave up on Drew Locke and they're about to be hiring a new coach. So you know, two plus two equals four. Well, I can give Morpheus 22 reasons why George Payton might not show interest, and those are the sexual misconduct allegations. I just feel Ooh. like. I feel like Deshaun's uh, Deshaun. I feel like George is a very, in a way, conservative, high moral, upstanding general manager. I don't think he would bring that cloud of toxicity to Dove Valley and, and deal with the baggage that would come with Deshaun Watson. And once again, for as great as he is, and he's a really good quarterback, they went four and twelve with him leading the league in passing. I don't think he's this Hall of Famer that the Broncos fans make him out to be. I think they're they're so desperate for a franchise quarterback. They're willing to overlook and exaggerate a lot of things about those that are out there, like Gardner Minshew, for example. For example. Guys, before we say goodnight, quick shout-out to the top star finishers this evening. This is how it shook out. Lawrence at the top, Josh Hoyle, Randy Jones, Doug Raquel, Andrew Lampy, Shane Daniels, David Wilder, Mike Reno, David Crespin, Nathan, Andrew Baker, James Grossman, Nathan Gale, Claude Riley, Charlie Young, and DeAngelis Jones. Shout out to each and every one of you. We'll update and see where we're at on the on the uh, 
Pat Sertan competition tomorrow night when we return at 6 p.m. Mountain. But Zach, sign us off, bro. It feels weird without a gut reaction on a Sunday. It feels like we're in the offseason again. But that was the Huddle Up Pod for tonight. We're off until tomorrow night, same time, 6 o'clock Mountain, 8 o'clock Eastern. In the meantime, though, follow the pod on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account for all your Broncos news, analysis, rumors, film breakdowns, transactions, and so much more at Mile High Huddle. Follow Chad on Twitter at Chad N. Jensen. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. If you haven't already, go to huddleuppod.com and get yourself a hat that Chad's wearing. Get yourself a coffee cup. Get yourself a hoodie. Goodies there. Also, coaching, coach, coaching shirt, hot off the presses, available for purchase, ready to ship out right now. A comfortable shirt, cool design. Also, facebook.com slash Huddle. Hit that big blue button. Become a supporter. Three exclusive shows at your fingertips. Kelberman's Corner Broncos Book Club and Trickle Zone every single week. Also, Facebook.com slash Pod. Like that page. And if you haven't, guys, go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some swag each and every month. But if you can't do any of those things, do these three things that take a few seconds. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. Helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans, Chad, just like you. Well said. Love you guys. Thanks for everything. You're the best. We'll see you tomorrow night, and uh, we'll kick off week eight of your Denver Broncos 2021 season. Take care, guys, and as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.